as my son Luke said a couple of years ago, happy near you. He couldn't quite get the happy new year out, so it was happy near you. But that's been a kind of a funny joke in our family. I hope you had a great new year. So on behalf of the Rice family, I just want to say happy near you, okay? Hope you guys have had a great, great, great start to 2015. Excited to see all of you in here. Hope you have your Bibles. Hope you'll turn to Matthew chapter 16. We want to take a look at a beautiful, beautiful promise that's been given to the gathered group of God's family before we come to the table. Before we get there, I know that there's a lot of gifts that you've been given at Christmas time that have a life expectancy. I got a computer this Christmas, family gift, iMac. Oh yes, kids are loving that, it's beautiful. But I know that one day it's not going to work. And I know that no matter what you guys in the front row say, those Vineyard Vines shirts or bow ties or button downs will not last forever. You got it? Okay, so that, that you, you t- wash it a couple of times and it's not quite like it is. You grow it, it's too short. Some of the things that we have, have a life expectancy. The car that we have has a life expectancy. The computer, the clothes. What I wanna talk about this morning is I wanna talk about the beautiful promise that's been given to the church. The beautiful promise that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In my house, I have an office at the new office where it is over at, on the property. And then I also have an office in my home. And sometimes my kids will ask me a question, dad, what are you doing today? And I said, well, I'm going to knock on, obviously I'm going to knock on doors and give out Chick-fil-A to all the guests that come. But obviously there's a lot of times where I'll sit and I'll meet with people, which I love to do. And it's honestly, when I'm answering that question to them over this past season, I have to be able to just be completely honest with you that I absolutely love what I do. And I love the organization and the mission and the vehicle of the local church that God is going to use to radically change the world. But not only do I like the promise that he's given to the church, I like that he's gonna use us and invites us to be a part of that assembling, that gathering, so that people can understand and they can hear and they can grow and they can know who Jesus is. And as we go into a building program and very shortly we'll see bulldozers hopefully that are clearing lots and trees and moving dirt from here to there. It's important to understand that the church is the body of believers, those who say I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the promise that's been given to them by Jesus himself that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the things that maybe we got for Christmas that have a life expectancy, but we can take a look at the church and understand that that is something beautiful to be a part of because of the promise that's been given by King Jesus himself. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And Peter, being the very bold, aggressive, very, very outspoken person that he is, he has a conversation with Peter. I'm gonna pick it up in verse 18. I'm gonna summarize before that. But you know that Peter is asked a question by Jesus, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus affirms that, And then he comes up to the verse that we're going to be taking a look at. And I really want to just break this verse down so that as we get ready to come to the table, we can be reminded not only of this promise, but of the many promises of God throughout Scripture. 
I did a search that there's 3,573 promises by Jesus given in the Bible. And so we have all of these promises that Jesus has been given. It's important for us to maybe even just at certain times in our life to just focus on that one and say, God, I want to be a pilot. I want to be about something that matters. I want to be about something that radically makes a difference. I want to be about something that lives longer than the car I bought or the computer I purchased or the clothes I got. I want to be about something that truly can transform the world, the community. And that's what I want to be about. So when I sit there and I talk to my kids about, Dad, what are you answering the question? Dad, what do you do? I can tell you that with great passion since 1999 when I was able to go work at a local church and to be around a group of believers, that it is an honor and it is a joy and it is a privilege to be about and to be involved in something that is going to make a difference in our community. And I think the table here reminds us about things that really matter. That it's all for Jesus and it's all because of Jesus. And so there's a statement that Jesus says, and I've quoted it and I'll say it again. In Matthew 16, 18, it says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And here's the promise, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When we break this down, we need to look at who the I is. Who is saying this? This I is King Jesus. Peter said it right. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Acts chapter four, verse 12 says, there was no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved. When we take a look at who is making this promise and making this declaration, it is King Jesus himself because he is the one who built the church. He is the one who is building the church. He is the one that we are all to be about. It is him, it is for him, and it's because of him. Every story in the Bible, every song that we sing, every reason that we gather in the household of faith is because of Jesus. And if you're wondering what in the world is Northwest about, I unashamedly tell you here on the first Sunday in 2015 that Northwest Community Church is unapologetically about King Jesus. That's what we are about. We are about him, we are for him, because it is him who saves, it is him who forgives, it is him who redeems, and listen, it is him who builds. So when we drive by Morrisville Parkway and the street, White Oak Church Road, and we drive by that and we see those things and we say, wow, that was a great, great thing by the building team and Brian and Jerry and Matt and David and Adam and, and the staff and Angie. No, no, let me make something very clear to you. The I in this is King Jesus and only him. There's seven, several years ago, there was a group of people who decided to come to Northwest Cary and gather in a daycare facility. To gather in the daycare facility. To have a dream of seeing what God would do in a city known as Northwest Cary, a section of Cary. And now we sit here and we have two services. Now in the first service, I said, and now we sit here and we have 200 services. No, that's not what we do. Brian's gonna preach 200 of them or 150 of them, and Jerry preached 50 there. But here's what we do. We take a look at what God has done. It is not because of the personalities of the giftedness that God has given us. It is plain and simple. It's the I in this statement that is the reason we gather and the reason we're here and the reason we get to celebrate with one another and remind each other the great truths, the great beauty of King Jesus. 
it is high, it's Jesus. And it's a beautiful picture in Revelation chapter five, verses nine and 10. You can maybe write that down and look at it a little bit later, but the 24 elders were getting together and it was the end. Jesus was coming back and he was getting ready to establish his kingdom on earth. It was a celebration, it was what we call Armageddon. Here we come, Jesus is, is, is there and the 24 elders are asking the question, who in the world is worthy to read the seventh scroll that's gonna roll out the final judgment and consummation of God's orchestrated plan? Who is worthy to do that? And the elders were gathering together and then all of a sudden one stopped and they broke into song and this is what they said. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. They were talking about Jesus. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Does that not give you great encouragement that there are other people all throughout the world that God is redeeming and saving? And then it goes down, it says, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth, for you are worthy. And the you in this text is the I in the text that we're reading this morning. I, that is Jesus. I was recently sitting down at lunch with a guy and I asked him a question. I said, I know this is new for you and I just wanna ask you a question. What in the world is Northwest Community Church about? You've been coming a little while. What is it about? And he says, oh, that's easy. Northwest Community Church is about a relationship with Jesus. You are exactly right. That's what we're about and that's what we are to be about. And here is a promise, when we are about that, there's a promise that's been given to the assembled body of believers. Let's continue. What does it say? I, well that's Jesus, because he's worthy. Then it says, will build my church. So what tense is that at the time that it was written? That's the future tense, right? But we stand here as an act of prayer. We stand here as an act of obedience of people that have gone before us that have said, hey, here comes into the church age whereby God is doing what he promised he would do and that Jesus is establishing and building what he said he would do, that he will build his church. And that's what we get to stand in the midst of. When you take a look at the book of Philippians and you read that in parallel with the book of Acts chapter 16, you realize that the church of Philippi was started with a woman named Lydia, a businesswoman named Lydia. It was also started by a demon-possessed girl where Jesus cast out the demons and used her in the start of the church at Philippi. And not only that, it was a man who was guarding a cell who was listening to this man named Paul and Silas sing songs about Jesus. And thereby, Jesus built his church, used people in the midst of that based on their gifts and talents. But at the end of the day, a church was built in Philippi. Why? Because he said he would do that. And a church is built in Northwest Cary because he said he would do that. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here is the most beautiful promise that we have in this text. We take a look at the center of this verse, and it's I. That's Jesus, that's not a person. That is God in the flesh. It is Jesus. And he said, I will build my church. And then he came with a promise, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you were to come into a city, 
at this particular time, the walls around the city would protect your ideology, your belief system. And so in order to connect with the people that he's writing to, he says that I will build my church, meaning save people and redeem people and gather people under the name of Jesus. I will do that, and guess what? The ideology or the power of Satan and hell will not prevail against, will not rise up above what I am all about. Jesus will have the victory. Jesus will be the victor. Jesus will get the victory. And, and that's really what he's saying here. Some translations use the word Hades. It's also a, a, an indication of saying that, hey, you know what? I will die, but I'm coming back again. And what I want you to realize, that the gates of hell will not, will not get in the way of what I'm trying to do here. They will not stand in the way of what I'm trying to do. I am going to be the victor. I am going to take it down. And he's going to build his church. And the message of the church and the people of the church are going to rally behind this and proclaim that Jesus Christ died, that Jesus Christ was buried, and Jesus Christ rose again. And that is the beauty of the message and the mission of the church and a promise that we cannot, cannot get over or get past. It's something that we rally behind. It's something that we, and we get invited to. I love a couple of statements that I came together to read because over in culture, you have different things that happen. You have, you have people that die in situations that happen. And, and I came up with some things and I, I just want you to hear that, you know, no matter how many planes are flown into a building, one plane, two planes, or 10 planes, the message and the mission of the church will not cease. I don't care how many Taliban extremists or ISIS extremists, whatever they do, whatever they want to do, they will not rise above the mission and the message of the church. A financial collapse, uh, a, a disease, uh, an earthquake, a tsunami will not, will not stop the message and the mission of the church. The education system that we're all around, the progressive education system that we're around, or people like Kim Jong-un, or North Korea, South Korea, or Iraq, or Iran, or even whatever happens or births in United States of America, will not get in the way or stop the message and mission of the church because of this promise that is said, because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Will not. So what do we do with a statement like that? Well, we take a look at where God sovereignly positioned and placed us. And God sovereignly positioned and placed you to live here and to go here. So it's vitally important that you take advantage of everything that is before you to get involved in something that will last and make a difference. Some of us are just spectators and we're sitting in the bleachers and we cheer when things are good and we boo the ref when things are bad. But the message and the mission of the church is an invitation and this promise right here is an invitation for you to get out of the bleachers and get onto the field of God's glory and see what God would have you to be a part of because he gave us a promise and the promise is the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There will be nothing that will take it down. Maybe you've come here and you're like, man, I don't know Jesus. And in a crowd this size, I would say this, 
the best thing that you can do in this year right now is for you to evaluate your personal relationship with God. And so I would ask you right now, right here and right now, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Have you ever repented of your sins and placed your faith in him? You ever said yes to him? Because a lot of this doesn't really make sense fully like it can if that has not been answered. And I would beg and plead for you to just answer that question, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And if, that's not, if that answer is no, then I would encourage you and challenge you to right here, right now, right where you are when we sing before we come to the table, to repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus, the I who will build the church where the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I guess my prayer is this. My prayer is that together, that we this year would bring glory to God. That we would be about bringing glory to God in this beautiful creation of messed up people known as Northwest Community Church. Amen? That collectively we would understand and individually we would understand that God has given us a responsibility to care and to shepherd each other and to reveal the greatest message in the world to people who aren't here yet. And might it be that this time of the year is a time not for resolutions, but a time for you to understand that, hey, there's an invitation through the, through the ministry of Northwest Community Church for you to be a part of something much bigger than yourselves. You know, all movements started with a prayer and a desire to see God move in an unbelievable way. And I would love nothing more and nothing less to see God move in Northwest Cary and the world and everywhere in between because there's a group of people that have said, hey, I wanna be a part of something that's gonna last and gonna make a difference. And there's been a promise that's been given. I wanna hold on to that promise and I wanna stand up and proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what this table represents. By you coming to this table, it says you have understood that Jesus died in your place, that you were supposed to be on that cross, but he took your place. That your sins are forgiven because of what he did, not because of what you do or did. And in just a minute, what's gonna happen is I'm gonna pray and then the worship team's gonna come out and they're going, to, um, they're going to play softly for a couple of minutes to give you a chance to just reflect about your relationship with Christ. And then after that, they're gonna sing a song. And at the end of that song, you're gonna have the opportunity to come to the table. And, and what we wanna do is we have our elders and some of our deacons that are at the table. We wanna serve you. And we wanna re be reminded with you of what Jesus came to do and what Jesus promised. Guys, it is a great, great day to be here, to be in where we live, and to be and to have the things that we have. But let's make a decision to be about something that really matters. When we take a look at that beautiful promise, that's a promise that is beautiful and a beautiful invitation for us to rally behind. Let's pray together.
God, I love you, and I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here and be about you. I thank you for the several promises that are all throughout the text in the Bible. I thank you for those promises. I thank you for the promise today that you've given us that you would build your church and that there would be nothing that would get in the way of building your church. I thank you, God, for the message of the church. I thank you for the mission of the church. And I pray, Lord, that those that are in here today first would see that there's an invitation to come to Jesus. And second, there's an invitation to come be a part of something that will last. So help us to see that. Prepare our hearts now as we take the next two minutes to just get ready for the table. I pray that right now you would prepare our hearts before we come and take the bread and the juice. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.